Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. If you've ever gone to high school, or you know someone who goes to high school, or you know someone who knows somebody who went to high school, and you also happen to be Christian and interested in the discipleship walk of young people, you're going to love today's episode. Really fun to hear just hope and fruitfulness and a really beautiful things the Lord is, is doing here. Um, I'm joined today by an old friend, Mrs. Quinlan Curry. Quinlan, how are you? Good. Good. Okay, Quinlan. So we always like to start the EquipCast by giving people an opportunity to just share a little bit of their story. So like, who are you? And when did you get to know Jesus? I feel like I kind of have two paths of my relationship with the Lord. So I have my pre-college path and my post-during-college path. Um, yeah, you're the only one. <laughs> I know. There's nobody else like that. Actually, it's this is super random, but we went to the zoo today and we were told to find our pre-conversion animal. And mine, I decided, was a lion because I was very much like in college self-protecting, like had a lot of wounds that I just hadn't really let the Lord touch or see and just kind of hunting down like the Lord and and didn't know that I was hunting down the Lord and was just kind of angry and protective. And then just through some friendships, really found the Lord again in a very real way. And yeah, that's funny that it's through friendship as we're going to talk about discipleship and discipleship groups that really the Lord found me again. And I kind of thought that, you know, I was praying every day. I'm, I'm doing these things, but as I was praying every day, I was also like sinning every day in really kind of serious ways. And yeah, the Lord just introduced these friends to me and they really saved me and really brought me back to the Lord. And so I have to say, let's just zero in a little on that. Yeah. So you were, you had a missionary guide taking you through the zoo today. Yeah. What yeah, is your pre-conversion animal? Well, I'm sorry like, to, to zero in on that part of it. <laughs> Yeah. So we went with um, Brian's focus team and, and Lincoln and we just, I didn't, yeah, Alex was like, find your pre-conversion animals. That's your what we pre-conversion did. pre-conversion animal. Okay. Yeah. A lion. A lion. Yeah. That's actually, that's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. Did you also find your post-conversion animal? No, but I think it's probably also a lion. Just, you know, I'm a pretty okay, sure. like just, intense person in yeah. certain times. So I'm just a happy lion now. And I, I let the Lord take <laughs> care no of me. There's no more thorn in your paw. No. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's a metaphor here. better. I'm like a lion like Aslan now. Except okay. not Aslan as the Lord. So Yeah. So, but I mean, I, you're, I'm you're like Aslan's daughter. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Everybody's like loving that. Quinlan, what's your, what's your day job now? What do you do? Yep. So I'm the, well, I'm a mom right a now. Mom I and, just became a mom. A mom of, of May yeah. 17th. Talk a little yeah. bit about. Um, so that I have a 10 and a half week old baby and he's pretty awesome. His name's Levi and we just love loving on him. This summer has been great to just soak him up and let him be loved. And what I do for work is I am the discipleship and service coordinator at Scott Catholic High School. So I run the discipleship group. I run the service program, which is just kind of like counting hours, helping kids find things to do. We have a really service-oriented community, which yeah. is awesome. But the part that I love about my job is the discipleship part. Yeah. So a few years ago, before I was hired, Christine French, who's my immediate boss, she just kind of was seeing the lay of the land of the culture in general. But particularly at SCUT, she did a survey where she had kids do a, a self-assessment anonymously. And one of the questions she asked was, where, where are you at in your faith journey? Like, do you pray every day? Do you go to mass every day? Do you not care? Do you try and get people to 
not care the way you don't care, you know, different things. Um, do you right, just, yeah. do you care, but you you don't do anything? The way our school kind of shook out was we had about 15% of our kids in every class who really lived out their faith and loved their faith and wanted to like bring more people into the faith. But so the, that's 15% yeah, that 15%. would be to use like, right, Sherry Waddell's language, they would be an intentional disciple. Yeah. They're like, I love Jesus and I, yep. I would love it if other people did too. Mm-hmm. So at least 15% have passed that decision mark exactly. Yay. So they're intentionally discipling themselves with Jesus. Good. And then, but the vast majority of our kids are not doing that. So 85% of our school yeah. is the majority care, but they're not active. So like they might go to mass with their families. They might not. But mm-hmm. when asked, they would say, oh yeah, I... I care about my faith. They'd still um, claim the Catholic label. Maybe no? maybe not the Catholic label, but they would definitely be like, I believe in God. I think God is good. I think Jesus is probably the Savior. I'm not going to do anything about that, though. So oh. when she saw that, she she had heard about – so she went to a Sikh conference. It might have been SLS um, in 2016, 2017. Put on by Focus, yeah, Fellowship by Focus, of Catholic yeah. University Students. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So she went to the conference. She went to the conference and she had these statistics. I think she had done the survey. Anyway, she knew that like between 80 and 95%, the Barna study was like about 80% of their kids leave the faith by the time they're in high school. So, yeah. you know, by middle school, they've kind of made their decision, which was evident in these surveys she'd taken because it was across the board for all, like our freshmen even were like 63% cared, but weren't active. Anyway. Just to reiterate that, what we're saying is by the time you get them in a campus ministry context or in a theology class or in a retreat in high school, you're already playing catch up because they have made their faith decision in junior high. Yep. And statistically speaking, they've made the decision against the faith. Mm -hmm. She approached these missionaries and was like, I want you to come to my high school. And they were like, well, we don't really do that. But Addie Magruder at Dowling Catholic is doing that. So Addie- Let's give the shout out for Dowling Catholic. Where's Dowling Catholic? They're amazing. I couldn't do what I do without Addie. We actually, she, myself, and Claire Molly, who is the campus minister at Lincoln, Pius Tenth in Lincoln, mm-hmm. we get together like maybe once a quarter and just kind of hash out what's happening on our high school campuses. And yeah, that's an amazing part of the job that I have. Yeah. But So Dowling is in Iowa, Des Moines. right? Yep. Des Moines, Iowa. And then Pius X is, in, is Lincoln. in Lincoln. It's got Catholic uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, so she met up with Addie um, and Addie kind of showed her this program that she does. We don't do it exactly like they do, but um, it's pretty similar. Tell us more uh, about that, because you kind of gave us a snapshot of the faith life of students. And again, you know, if you're nerd alert, if you're interested in these things, uh, look at Barna, look at any of the Kara studies. You know, the old data is saying 75 to 80% are leaving the faith, but talk to somebody in the field and they'll say, no, it's higher than that. Mm-hmm. And, and they're leaving before high school. You saw that. Tell us about the inspiration you took from Dowling. What what were they doing? So what happens a lot is tons of kids are having spiritual experiences at like Steubenville, adoration nights, but then there's nothing in the middle to teach them how to walk with Jesus in a real way every day. So that's really the point of this, of these small groups is, okay, you've met the Lord, you know him, right. you know he's real. Let's do something about that. You can have like, you can encounter Jesus the same way you encountered him at Steubenville every day 
That's called relationship. Yeah. You can meet him in the in the at the altar at mass, in adoration, in confession, in prayer, in your friend groups. Like, let's do that. So what we do is we invite students in their friend groups to form a small group and to become a faith sharing community. And that's what we do. I love that. Quinlan, I just want to stop and break that down because there's two, I think, assumptions in there. One, I mean, just to call this out, you're like, um, Jesus is still alive and he's still at work. Mm -hmm. And young people are experiencing him, number one. Yeah. Number two, a moment of encounter where someone experiences the Lord, whether it's just, you know, through the sunset or this beautiful moment in a church, you know, explicit faith contact, they experience the Lord, but an, a moment of encounter doesn't necessarily lead to a conversion of life. Mm -mm. And you're providing a community where people are discipled so that that encounter does become a real fruitful Christian life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. So what? how do you provide that community? How do you disciple these young people? The first thing that we do is we find good leaders. Okay. What we do is basically, usually a student will come up to me and say, hey, I, I've heard about the discipleship program. How do I get involved? Or I maybe know of somebody who went on Steubenville. So I'll approach them at the beginning of the year and say, hey, we have this thing, um, a small group. Do you want to join? They usually say yes, which is great. Praise the Lord. And then I hook them up with a small group leader who is a college grad or over 25. So these are the high school students. They've had an experience of the Lord. And so they're invited to be a part of these groups, which are led by adults, yeah. right? Adults safe, all faith. safe environment yeah. trained, mm -hmm. background checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but adults that are then providing that kind of accompaniment role. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're helping to disciple these individuals. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. what do they do? Whatever they want, actually. <laughs> so that's the amazing thing about having well-trained leaders who I mm -hmm. know, like, pray every day. They're in their own faith sharing groups. They might have spiritual directors. They're frequenting the sacraments. Like I can totally entrust these small groups to these leaders because I'm checking in with the leaders once a month, I'm talking to them. I know that their faith life is solid. So I kind of just hand them these small groups. I do give them like, here are some resources. So some of our resources are like encounter study that Andy Deka mm -hmm. wrote. And um, that's kind of our first study of the year. Like okay, you, you haven't done a study before. This is a good way to start. Um, we've had the, a couple- And the crash course on that is it's a six-week mm -hmm. Lexio Divina-based small group that highlights the core message of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super easy to lead, yep. very powerful because Jesus is directly saying, I love you and sin is kind of ruining your life. And yeah. what do you want to do about that? Yeah. So anyway, okay, yeah. so- that's a resource. So that's our starter study. And then I usually direct them to the Equip app through Focus. Mm -hmm. Or we have a lot of girls who are like, we want to do a study on women, women in the Bible. So there are some that I've written mm -hmm. um, or that Addie at Dowling Catholic has written. Like she has a really good one on prayer. Yeah, we just kind of let them do that. There are a lot of leaders, though, who just like to stick to Lexio Divina every time. And they just read with the gospel for Sunday, which is great. I mean, the church really provides a beautiful – like right now we're going through John 6. Like it provides us – a yeah. good structure for daily prayer. Quinlan, I have to stop here because you're like, great leaders are the key and then it's really easy. How do you find these leaders, no less great ones, and how do you form them? Mm -hmm. um, let's say you find someone who's like, great leader, no, but but available, willing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, someone with low personal boundaries. And so they said yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they said yes when I asked. How do you form these leaders? One thing that I do is I, I meet with them once a month. And there have been people who have had a lot of zeal for this ministry and mm -hmm. I meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. That's what I do with 
all of my small group leaders yeah. uh, before I actually invite them into being a small group right. you're, leader. You're I vetting ask. them. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just doing a background check. You're also yeah. like, um, does this person have a faith to pass yeah. on? Right. Do they have a faith to pass on? Do they understand like why certain safe environment policies are necessary? No? Okay, you're probably not going to be a small group leader for me. But let's say they've gone through the vetting process and they have the desire and the zeal and the Lord has said yes. So what I always invite them at the end of kind of Asking them is I say, I want you to pray for a week about this. I don't want to hear from you for a week. Nice. And I just give them um even if they want to, yeah, you don't let them even say if yes. they're like, I'm pretty sure that the Lord is saying yes. I'm like, I want you to know that this is where the Lord is actually asking you to be. And so I give them a week to pray, and then I usually call or they call me at the end of the week and they're like, I know that I want to do this. This is awesome. Christine French did a great job of kind of prepping the community at SCUT to Mm -hmm. be really receptive. So we have a ton of SCUT parents who are small group leaders. Um, Then we have a lot of teachers who are small group leaders. That's great. Like I see them every day. Um, I can just do our mentor check-in during their plan period. But the way that we form them is I meet with them once a month and I ask them four questions. I ask, how's your prayer? How's your sacramental life? How's your fellowship in your life? Sounds like all those questions are about how they're doing. How they're doing, just kind of a general overlay of like, how's your own faith life? And then I ask, what is Jesus doing in your small group? So to kind of take it away from like, just a reminder, like this is the Lord's group. He wants to know these kids way more than I want them to know him, than you want them to know him. Like his desire is for these students to know him. So how what is he doing? And he's always doing something. Like even if it's been like two weeks since they've met, maybe they'll share something about like, their own faith, or we know that they want to get together, and that's just really amazing to us, and all this stuff. So that's kind of what we talk about. In Quinlan, it occurs to me, these leaders, like at a practical level, what they're doing is they're gathering with a group of these kids from the school, and they're meeting with them for what, an hour? Mm-hmm. How many kids? It's usually like five to seven. Okay, we have some groups seven. that are as small as two, like just for those kids who maybe don't have a ton of friends, they have one really good friend. We just, we're sure. not going to make them uncomfortable by forcing them to sure. share. And then it's a weekly meeting Mm -hmm. usually? For about an hour. Yep, before or after school. Okay. How many groups do you have going and roughly how many kids? So at the end of last year, we had about 16 small groups, which is actually a lot smaller than we were. Last year was kind of a fluke. We'll throw it out in the data, hopefully. Because the end of the year before, we had 21 small groups. So then we just never really got back up to where we were when those seniors graduated. Yeah. So I think we've had 16 groups now. I think we're only going to have three or four graduating small groups. So we have about 13, 12 or 13, which is kind of our baseline. We always have about 12. Yeah. 12 or 13 small groups. How many kids total? It's about 100 kids. But give us a a scope. How does that compare to the total population of the school? So it's about 15% of the school. We have have 700 kids. So 15%, I think, is like about 100. When you get to the 15, 20% mark, that's where all the sociologists say culture shifts. So Mm -hmm. you're talking about a very simple initiative where you're gathering adult disciples who love the Lord, you're vetting them, you're setting them up for an opportunity to share their faith with their kids, and you're poised to really shape and change the whole culture of your school. Mm -hmm. Have you seen little inklings of that starting to happen? I think so. 
when Addie came to visit our school, because she came to like pitch the program four years ago. And then she came to visit me just briefly last spring. And she walked through the school and this isn't, you know, qualitative, but she was like, wow, it feels different than how it felt four years ago before you started doing this program. And there's an openness. We've gotten a couple, I, I would say like key quote unquote popular groups. And those are like kind of crucial. Like you need to get the popular kids to be in your, in your program if it's going to work. Oh yeah. You I know, mean, you can't just, there's have, like, nobody listening who remembers high school. Like, Oh, popularity matters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that being an issue. Yeah. That was um, just not a big deal where when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get those key, like Addie will tell you at Dowling, it's the football guys. Yeah. For us, it was like, it's the volleyball girls. So yeah. if you get some of the volleyball girls or some of the soccer girls, like you're in like show choir too. Like, so this is the, this is the question just in general, whether it be the popular kids or the whatever, how do you get the kids to sign up? How do you get high school kids mm -hmm. to sign up? Because I'll usually get like one or two students who come up to me and say they want to do a group. And I say, great, invite your friends. And they look at me like deer in the headlights, eyes go huge. I can't do that. What yeah. do you mean I'm going to invite my friends? And it's like something as easy as an invitation is like so scary in high school. Yeah. What is like, what's the fear behind those deer in the headlight eyes? I think it's just the acknowledgement of like, I can't talk to people about Jesus. Like, I can't share this desire that I have on my heart. I yeah. can't be vulnerable. Like, in our social media age, vulnerability, everybody thinks we're being really vulnerable because we're putting every, everything out there on social media. But really, we're telling everything to no one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, we're sharing all of this stuff about our hearts, but, like, we don't see anybody respond to it. So to actually go face to face with somebody and say, I want to do this thing with you. Will you come and be in relationship with me, with Jesus? It's kind of terrifying to, oh, to sure. these people. Yeah. And it's scary to me even sometimes to ask students. But Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, all of the non-high school students uh, in our audience listening are like, yeah, I mean, I think I feel that too. Yeah, no, there is like a, there's like an intimidation factor, but. But they do it. They do it. They say yes. Like I've only had a couple kids say no to me. It's really just everybody wants to be invited into relationship with Jesus. Like mm -hmm. nobody doesn't want to have a relationship with him. Even if they think that they hate him, there's a reason that they hate him and they want that to be healed. So like it's mm. really just inviting and saying and, you know, having an openness. I always tell them, you can say no. You can take a couple of days to think about it. It's up to you. Like remind them of the freedom that they have in their relationship with you and with the Lord. Like there's always a freedom. We have free will all the time. Mm. But I think we don't know that. In our Catholic guilt, Catholic world, like people think they forget that they have the opportunity to say no to Jesus. So when you actually give them the opportunity to say no, they say yes a lot of the time. When you give people the chance to say no, they end up saying yes. Yeah. What are they finding that they're actually willing to step out and ask their friends to come? Like, what are the experiences? What are you hearing? What are they finding? I think a lot of groups find healing. They find a place to speak about things that are like on their hearts. You know, just questions like, is God real? Why would he let this thing happen to me if he's real? Is he loving? Like, I've never experienced the love of God before. How do you do that? Oh, I don't know how to talk to God. Like, that was something that we focused on a lot this year was like actually teaching them how to have relational prayer. Because with COVID, like, there was a lot of fear, a mm -hmm. lot of anxiety. Like, I thought that there wasn't going to be because this is high school. Like, kids aren't really susceptible to it, but like, um, oh, but my dad is, or my mom, or my grandma. Yeah. I can't play my sport the way that I thought I could. I can't go to a movie on a Friday night like I used to be able to. So there was like so much about their lives that 
was changed that I wanted them to be able to know how to like relate those things to the Lord. So we actually worked a lot on like relating their prayer to Jesus. And I think that they're not taught how to pray other than like rote prayers. Yeah. So that's something we focus on a lot. And I think that's something that they're really seeking to learn. And they're, they're finding, I mean, Mm -hmm. they actually are. Yeah, we're teaching them. Oh, how to talk. Yeah. It occurs to me, you know, some of our, uh, our listeners, we've had uh, Jody Myers, the Mm -hmm. uh, regional coordinator from Alpha on a number of times. Jody, shout out. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful woman. And one of the secrets, she would be the first to say, one of the secrets of Alpha is we let people talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> we let yeah. people ask their questions, right? They like they sit down and they're like, okay, so what's this genius thing that you say when you get these non-believers sitting in a small group around the table? It's like, well, we, we let them talk. And that's part of it. You're letting them talk. But then you actually let the Lord talk too. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Like, can you just break that out and demystify what, what is actually happening with the materials the content in these groups mm-hmm. that is maybe unexpected and and why it's powerful. So we had one small group who did um, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love, uh, which is a book by Dr. Edward Shree. And it just breaks down like the dating relationship and how men and women are different. And like, and actually like these girls got to talk about like pornography openly for the first time. And yeah. like nobody talks to women about that, but that's yeah. like a huge rampant problem. And they didn't talk about like their personal struggles or anything, but they actually talked about like hard topics that are yeah. taboo in a lot of areas of their life. Mm-hmm. So like for a book study, that was really helpful for them to to get answers to these questions that they have, like high schoolers are seeking. Just because they have doubts and just because they have questions doesn't mean that they want to leave the faith. It means mm-hmm. that they want to have answers and maybe nobody's given them those answers before. So finding resources and finding materials that like have those answers in them is I'm, really helpful. Quinlan, I'm, I'm drawn back to a book we've referenced before. Uh, Jody Phillips and I talked about this, Kara Powell. Uh, mm-hmm. Her book, Sticky Faith, really, I mean, great work and study of young people. And the the kind of like drop the mic line that has always stuck with me from <laughs> the book, Sticky Faith, was doubt is not toxic to a young person's faith. It's unexpressed doubt that is toxic. And you're just giving a place to express doubt with confidence that there's actually good answers. Yeah. And the leaders know them. What else are they, what else is like the content and the, the, the things that are happening in these groups? Yeah. So a lot of groups, um, pray together, um, like doing prayovers, praying with each other, just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through. And, you know, that's where a lot of that healing happens is like, okay, I had this really rough thing happen with a friend the other day. Can we just all pray together and allowing that healing to take place? So that's one one thing that's happening. Just really praying with the gospels. We had a couple of groups watch The Chosen, which so, is which almost is like almost with like the praying with the yeah, gospels. I mean, um, so they would actually read the gospel, like whatever they were going to cover in that episode beforehand, talk about it, and then watch the Chosen episode. That's great. Which was longer than an hour. I had a friend who just met Jesus. And what I mean like by that is not like, yeah, met like the actor. I forget, his, <laughs> yeah. I forget his name, but he just showed me a picture today, which is hilarious because we were with another friend who were like, who's that? I'm like, that's Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not anyway. It's, it's not actually, but it, an awkward in the chosen, yeah. These students are coming away, not just with intellectual answers to their, their faith, but they're coming away with renewed encounters. Like mm-hmm. I actually talked with him. I actually felt the spirit heal my heart. Mm-hmm. Answered questions, Yes but an encounter with the living Lord. Mm -hmm. What's been hard about this? Talk about the challenges. Attendance and follow through is like impossible 
with high schoolers? So I would say that most groups never at any given point have every group, every group member there the whole time for every meeting. Sure. And I think that that's kind of an unfair expectation to have of high schoolers. If you have somebody who's coming who never comes or like came one time, right? like they're not in your small group. You just have to acknowledge where high schoolers are at. They're overscheduled. Mm-hmm. They're doing too many things and everyone's telling them that they should be able to do more things. Mm-hmm. Kind of like allowing them to have space. Like I can't come today because I didn't sleep because I have swim practice. Then I had a million hours of homework. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm going to acknowledge your humanity and allow you to not come. Um, but that is definitely one area where we struggle making sure that your your leaders are are well trained and then if they're not just making sure that you're following up with them maybe a little bit more than your other Mm -hmm. small group leaders because yeah like you're entrusting your students to them I think too that you kind of get that once you get that 15% of kids who care you're kind of looking at the drawing board like okay who wants to be a disciple of Jesus now like I know that they do but once I kind of hit my list of like these are the the kids that I know of, this is mm-hmm. the low-hanging fruit, um, then going to the people on the margins and kind of asking students like to invite friends and things like that. You're hitting a really important threshold in this program that now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the first time this year, you have senior students who are now starting their own groups. Yeah. That's exciting. And I think that's maybe the bridge of our like, how do we break out of that kind of 15% glass ceiling? Mm-hmm. Man, a cool senior or even a not cool senior, if yeah. we're honest, right? Yeah. <laughs> Inviting an underclassman to be a part of this group. Mm-hmm. Talk about that because that's a that's a very cool shift yeah. in the program. Yeah. So that's, we did, it was called Lenten Small Groups. It was a new initiative that we did this year. And we had seniors who'd been in a discipleship group at least for a year two years. Um, They've experienced this with an adult. Uh-huh. Yep. So they led their them through the encounter study. It was amazing. It was really cool. Again, like intent, attendance was not perfect, but I think where we failed a little bit, the end of the year was kind of a whirlwind because we did a bunch of different events and all of our retreats and, and everything. So um, I failed a little bit in not... I didn't quite make the connection that I wanted to like for the next year. I had one group that had junior leaders and I think maybe that's what we'll do next year is that we'll actually have juniors do it so that the next year, the then seniors can invite them to join a discipleship group with an adult. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably what we need to do for next time. But yeah, it worked really well. I think that it was a, a great little addition to our program and something that we'll keep doing. I think we might do Advent small groups too, so that it's more like we have more time then to do more invitation. How do you find the the leaders? Yeah. So it's really helpful to be from Omaha. I think growing up here and knowing a lot of people coming back and then Christine uh, doing a lot of work on the forefront of pitching the program to a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, Scott parents, Scott alum. That was super helpful. So also, yeah, parents, alumni, people in the community that yeah, you knew. Yeah. Okay. And then the Newman Center yeah. is like the best resource ever in the world. Because as soon as they graduate, I've known them for, because my husband is a focused ministry there, right. missionary there. So young people, not surprisingly, sometimes struggle to identify mm-hmm. with 30 and 40 somethings. Yeah. They, like they can't imagine themselves being 40 years old with, you know, five kids and yeah, a mortgage, yeah, yeah. but they can imagine themselves being 25, mm-hmm. you know, and just out of school and having a job. Yep. And 25 year olds who have a living faith are such a precious gift yep. for youth ministry and campus ministry, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if they've been well-formed. Yep. But even if not, the opportunity to draw them in, help form them as yep. a missionary mm-hmm. disciple, and then give them an opportunity 
to share their faith with young people is priceless. Yeah. So the Newman Center is an amazing resource for me. Which again, if anybody, it's the college ministries yep. in your city and town. Yeah. You know? So like I have all this fresh new crop of like recently graduated from not only the Newman Center, but like focused Bible studies. So they already know like how this is working and like what I mean when I say, will you disciple people? And right. what I mean when I talk about a Bible study, like I don't have to explain. They've experienced I don't have groups. To explain. They know. Yeah. They know what it is to facilitate. And like the Great Commission, I don't have to explain why we need to read Matthew 28. Quinlan, tell us just a few stories of like some lives changed, communities. Um, I mean, we've mentioned healing and encounters, and mm. but just talk a little bit about like, yeah, real life stories of what you've seen. We had just this one group of girls who there was like this one main girl. That's pretty much how it always is. There's one main student who's like, I want my friends to do this. And so she kept coming to me like, I know, like I've asked them, I don't know if they're going to come. Like, I just really have this desire for myself and for my friends to like join in this community. And it was kind of like our last day. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll invite them to do it one more time. And if they don't show, then we won't have them do it. And everybody came. And it was just like, it was amazing. They had this desire. And then from that group, um, they still like reach out to each other for prayer requests, for to just check in with each other and healings from like drinking in that group. And it was really, that's one amazing story. Another story, Toby Krinsky, um, he had this group of senior guys. They were all just really open with each other, really built a community, a strong community. He had them praying in adoration for their meetings, and they actually went to Madonna Rehab to like meet his friend who had just gotten in a car accident or some, and they met him and talked about suffering and all this stuff and just the growth that their group had. Like they had a retreat yeah, at the well end of the year. Yeah, they're well beyond their one hour a week yeah, obligatory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, well, and just like in a real living of mercy yep. that this encounter is then overflowing in them engaging with the suffering of others. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. It was really awesome. High, high school boys. Yeah, high school seniors. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then just from this last year, we had our first group who graduated after doing it. They were sophomores, and they did it all through their senior year. So that was really amazing. And just the fruit. They were so mature. They knew how to pray. They knew how to like discern things. We had this group on the March for Life who they sat around – my husband and I on the bus. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I just invited them. I was like, do you guys, have you heard about the, they're like, we've been meaning to talk to you the whole trip. Like we want to do a discipleship group. We would love to do that. And yeah, they, they formed actually two small groups uh, that met from their middle of their junior year through their senior year. And it's just been really amazing. One group, their group leaders plan, like we're going to go to the Newman Center once a month. They do um, a holy hour with adoration and praise and worship. And they were like, their leaders invited them, but then another small group just heard about it and decided to go, like just a couple of them from their small group. And nice. that was just amazing. Like they didn't know that I was going to be there. They didn't know, you know, it wasn't like brownie mm -hmm. points. They just had a desire Yeah, and they went and yeah. I think Quinlan, despite the truth, right, of the dramatic drop-off in practice of the faith of young people after junior high, just because they're not practicing just because they have doubts doesn't mean there's not desire. doesn't mean there's not openness. And you're just like uncovering that desire and there's a simple, easy, practical way for them to begin to explore again, to, to begin to go back to that. Maybe I did have an experience where I felt close to God a couple of years ago in grade school and they can 
they they can get back to that very quickly and easily with these groups. So Quinlan, for those who are listening, it's like, oh my gosh, I want this. I want this for our young people. They're not quite sure where to begin. How do they get started? They pray, literally, like that. I know that it's cliche and that you probably say that at the end of every equip class, but like if I don't pray and if I don't beg the Lord for leaders and beg the Lord for students, like it wouldn't happen. I don't have the energy on my own to reach out to a hundred kids a year and invite them mm-hmm. into a small group. Like that's not from me. That needs to be from the Lord. And like Christine will tell you, the way I got hired is like a miracle in and of itself. Like she pitched this program in May. I was hired in like July. The Lord, if he like he does desire these students to know him mm-hmm. more than I desire them to know him more than you desire them to know him more than people listening do. Like he will move if he's invited to, and the way he's invited to is through prayer. So having a personal relationship with Jesus your in your own heart and in your own life, and then just walk boldly in faith and just invite people, invite them to say no, and they'll probably mm-hmm. say yes, and just be open to being rejected by, you know, we need to be vulnerable first before we expect these students to be vulnerable with us. So stepping out in the vulnerability of the invitation, yeah, just start with one group. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be 12. It doesn't have to be seven. It doesn't have to be, you know, one. Just have one. Jesus had one small group his whole entire ministry. He just <laughs> had the disciples. That's it. That's awesome. Like he I didn't try to form 80 discipleship groups. Like he just had one. Yeah. Why would we expect more of ourselves than Jesus, right. the creator of the universe, Yeah. expected of himself? Yeah. I love that. I mean, he's his disciples, the apostles, are being formed mm-hmm. by their experience with him. And they are, they're being trained, they're being formed, and they're being commissioned, and they do go out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Quinlan, I as we kind of close here, I think I'm wanna give those listening a challenge to say, speak to the Lord your desires. Let him fill your heart with his desires uh, for the young people in in your life and just get started. And I'm I might say, like, you know, shrink it down because for some people are like, I want to do this. Actually, no, I don't. I want other people to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just say like, okay, so maybe you don't feel like you can commit to lead a small group with young people from now until, you know, when Jesus comes back. Could you do it twice? Just just do one. Just do it once and see what the, the Lord does to open up your heart and the hearts of those who come. And maybe it's with your potential leaders. Maybe it's not even with students yet. Maybe it's with the yeah. potential leaders. Yeah, for sure. Quinlan, if people want to find out more, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to ask you questions, how can they connect with you? Yeah, um, email is great. Quinlan Corey at scuttcatholic.com. And then you can call Scut too, and they'll put you in contact with me. But that, yeah, that's something I would say too. Like find people who are doing this, who have a desire for this. So another person that we tend to talk to a lot is Dana Ritzdorf, who's in Columbus. She's working at uh, SCOTUS. Yes. And she's really awesome. She's a focus missionary. Well, ex-focus missionary, but you're always a missionary. So she's really awesome. I would find people in your community who are who are doing this as well. Like I do not have the wealth of, you know, I don't have all the answers. So, But the, yeah, the Lord is, it's on people's hearts mm-hmm. and just, you know, asking him to like, bring me, bring me those other people who care about this and desire this. And maybe... For those of you who've appreciated Quinlan and this story, I mean, our time has gone so fast. Use this episode to start conversations, right? Share this with someone and start a conversation. Like, hey, I want you to listen to this and then I want to buy you coffee 
And I just want to pray together and see, does the Lord have something in mind for the young people we know? Yeah. Quinlan, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, Superhero mom and campus ministry at Scott. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. (laughs) 